with our truth problem in the 21st century is that it's completely illogical. It's completely devoid of any sort of substance if you follow it to the end. And, and listen, I know this because I tried. I was really big on, man, that's your truth. Great. You don't want to worship Jesus? Cool. I want to worship whatever I was into at the moment. But the problem is, is when you follow a lack of truth claim to its logical ending, you end up with a truth claim just the same. So then the question becomes, Am I willing to submit to what truth is? When we're struggling beneath the weight of responsibilities, grief, and hardships that happen in life, it becomes evident how strong our faith really is. When we freak out, we're forgetting that God has secured our future for all of eternity. Today, we'll be encouraged to remember that He can handle our todays. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 with our continuing study entitled, The Messy Warrior. And so, like, we'll watch football on Sunday afternoon. He's like, which team's winning, the blue team or the white team? Like, the white team, that's the team I'm rooting for. And there's a childlike wisdom to that. Because it's always best to be on the winning team, isn't it? There's nothing... There's nothing truly honorable about going down with the ship because you're too stubborn to jump ship. Nothing honorable about that. And I'm here to tell you, if you're in here today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are going down with the ship. And there ain't nothing honorable about being too stubborn to jump ship and get on the winning team. Because eternity is at stake. Not only hereafter, but right now. Because if you are outside of Jesus right now, you're missing out on heaven on earth. You're missing out on life on this side of death. Some of you are saying, well, I'm not worried about life after death. I want to know if there's life during life. There is, and it's in Christ. And it's a life filled with his love and his light and his goodness and not being all about you, but being about him and serving others. So I'm going to give you an opportunity by the end of the service to make that decision. You need to make that decision. Don't be too stubborn to drown when you have a whole life ahead of you. And that's a good life that God has ordained for his glory. But notice, we need to stand. And these verses here teach us to stand as a prayerful and armored warrior. We are to stand as a prayerful and as a armored warrior. We are in a battle. Even though the victory is already won in Christ, we are in a battle and we need to stand as a prayerful and armored warrior. Now, I get the prayerful part from verses 18 and following, and I get the armored part, of course, from verse 14 to verse 17. So we are to stand as a prayerful and as a armored warrior. Now, let's look at these, this metaphorical use of armor. It's a picture. And so like every picture... We're going to find that the Apostle Paul is going to use all the armor that was on a Roman soldier, which he was probably chained to while he was there in jail. He goes through the armor, not based on their spiritual implications, but how a Roman soldier got dressed. 
So people always talk about, so why is the belt of truth on? And you want me to put the breastplate of righteousness on, but the helmet of salvation comes later. Doesn't salvation have to come first to be righteous? Some of you believers think that way. Why is it in that order? Because he does it in the order that they would get dressed. The way the armored Roman soldier would get dressed, the Apostle Paul uses the analogy. So that's why they're in the order that they're in. And so don't think that it's in that order because you need to get all these things right first before you can put on the helmet of salvation. So he uses the picture as the driving principle for the teaching. So, and what's interesting about this is the Apostle Paul no doubt grabs this idea of the armor from Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17. Isaiah 59, 17, listen to what it says. For he has put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He has put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and, has, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. So this, it's a picture of the coming Messiah who's already put on the breastplate of right, who put on the helmet of salvation. So the Apostle Paul has prophetic witness to this type of language. Now let's look at all the different pieces. First look what it says. Stand therefore, verse 14, having girded your waist with truth. Now the idea of girding your waist, it literally means putting a belt on. And what's interesting is the belt that the Roman soldiers wore was not actually part of the armor. It was meant to take together all of their underclothing so that they would have freedom of motion. Kind of like why you and I wear a belt today. Now, some of you guys have belts for fashion because you have a big old belt buckle that tells you something about what you value. I want a big cheeseburger belt buckle. But come on, we know that the bell buckle says something about who we are, doesn't it, right? It's like something like, yeah, daddy's toying. There's a tractor on it, you know? But in the Roman culture, the, it was part of the undergarments because you had all these underclothes and you'd wear a belt to keep all the undergarments together so that you would be able to have freedom of motion. So for us, for you and I, the thing that is meant to bind everything together so that we have freedom to live and move is truth. Having girded yourself with truth. Now, I realize that in our culture, we have what they call a truth problem because, well, it's your truth or it's my truth. Just so you know, if it's your truth and it's in contradiction to my truth, then it's not truth, it's just opinion. That's just, like, it's a logical impossibility to have your truth and my truth. Neither one of them is truth. There is such a thing as truth. No matter what you learned in school, no matter what Facebook tells you, there is such a thing as objective truth. There is. And listen, I don't have the time today to get into all the different philosophical underpinnings to such a statement. But if there's no such thing as truth, then we can't know anything, which leads you to something called euphoria, which is intellectual exhaustion. If nothing is true, then you have nothing to stand on. Literally, you can't say anything about anything. And what's interesting is the people who are the most against truth, their truth claim is just as strong as yours is. Theirs is, well, yours isn't the truth. How can you say there's a truth? That's in itself a truth claim. And if you really think, if you're in here today and you're like, I don't believe in truth. Yes, you do. You're not, your lack of belief in truth is a truth claim just the same, although a negative one. So the problem with our truth problem in the 21st century is that it's completely illogical. It's completely devoid of any sort of substance if you follow it to the end. And and listen, I know this because I tried. 
I was really big on, man, that's your truth, great. You know, want to worship Jesus? Cool. I want to worship whatever I was into at the moment. But the problem is, is when you follow a lack of truth claim to its logical ending, you end up with a truth claim just the same. So then the question becomes, am I willing to submit to what truth is? And for you and I, those of you who are here who are believers, our, the truth of who God is, of what God has done, is meant to bind up everything so that we have the opportunity to be able to move freely and do what we need to do. Truth keeps you together. And we need a firm handle on the truth. That's why we are Bible people here, and we will always be. We are Bible people. Because God's truth teaches us what it is that we are meant to do and how. So we gird ourselves with truth. Notice next, the middle of verse 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate covered the body from the neck to the thighs. It was called the heart protector, the breastplate of righteousness. And in context, righteousness means right living or uprightness. The thing that protects us is our uprightness. Now, I know that the Apostle Paul talks about righteousness being conferred by Jesus, that positional righteousness. But we know, and you guys have been in church long enough to realize that because Jesus is right and he confers his righteousness, we have no other option than to be righteous as he's righteous. One of the biggest issues we have with the way justification by faith functions in Protestant churches is because Jesus is perfect and I don't have to be. But Jesus said, be perfect as the Lord your God is perfect. So because God is righteous and we imitate God, we should see our lives changing. And in all the ways we fall short, Jesus picks up the slack. But don't let yourself off the hook to be a growing person. Our lives should be different than they were six months ago or a year ago or 18 months ago. We're all in process. And let's be honest. When you and I struggle, it's not because God isn't righteous. It's because we're living in a way that's unrighteous. And that's a kink in our armor. Doesn't Satan have an in when you and I are messing around? When we're living on the edge and we're doing what we know we ought not to do? There's a kink in the armor, isn't there? And Satan goes right at that stuff. And that's why it's the breastplate. How often has our lives become undone because we're choosing to live unrighteously and it opens up our heart in such a way that we're possible to get wounded? So we need to walk circumspectly with wisdom. We need you and I to say, God, I want to be righteous like you are. Change me. Amend my ways, God. Because that protects that area of us where all the essential organs are. There's really no defense for rebellion. Think about that. When you're living in rebellion, you're going to get picked off. That's just the way it goes. There's no way to defend against rebellion against God. It leaves you completely exposed. And that's why that breastplate is righteousness. Right living. Then next, verse 15, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, of course, the idea of your feet shod, this is your footwear. This is your footwear. Now, it's interesting that both the armies of Alexander the Great for the Greek armies and of Julius Caesar for the Romans, one of their greatest military advantages were the footwear that they were wearing, and they were able to do extraordinary marches very, very quickly. People said, oh, they'll get here in 10 days. They got there in six days, and they were completely unprepared because their feet were ready. You guys know what it's like to have good footwear on? Not only does it look good, 
but it's comfortable at the same time. So from the breastplate, now you get down to the feet. And what are the feet? It's the preparation of the gospel of peace. So what this speaks to you and I is that we should always be ready to give an account for our hope in season or out of season. What that means is we should be ready to share the gospel at any at all times. That's what it means. And it's a clear allusion to Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. Listen to what it says. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So you and I, part of our armor is to be ready to be able to share with someone about who Jesus is. Let's be honest, most of us are going around barefoot. We're not ready. We're not saying, Lord, give me an opportunity to share. Let me be tied up, ready to go. That if I have an opportunity, Lord, I can share my faith. I can share who, who you are. A lot of us are scared of that. That means we're going into battle without shoes on. We need to be say, Lord, make me ready. Help me to do it. Not only that, but in verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith, that protective shield. Now, faith is not only the right things to believe, but an active faith that can take the things we believe and stand on them when push comes to shove. For many of you in here, you love the Lord. You know the truth. But when the battle rages, you forget to use what you know. You forget to trust God for who he is and what he's done. Listen, if God is able to forgive you of your sins and prepare you for eternity, he's going to get you through the struggle of the next week. That's called an argument from the greater to the lesser. If God can make you ready for eternity, he's going to get you through the struggle of the next month. Lord, what's going to happen? Look, if God is able to take our mistakes and separate them as far as the east is from the west, we need to have an active faith that when push comes to shove, when those fiery darts start coming, we're able to be like, look, I trust the Lord. And for most of us, we reveal our lack of faith by how much we freak out in the process. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not speaking this down to anybody as if I have perfect faith. But every time I find myself freaking out, I'm like, Lord, what am I worried about? When Moses had his back to the, to the Red Sea and the, and the Egyptian army come in, he trusted God. And God literally parted the waters and made walls of water on either side. When Jesus died, it looked like it was all lost, but he rose from the dead. And if Jesus can conquer sin and conquer death in his own body, then he's going to pay the bills that I'm worried about. And so we need a faith not only in the right things, but an active faith. And I believe that's a word for some of us, because some of us are so busy freaking out, figuring out who I'm going to blame for this, that, or the other thing. And when God's saying, just trust, I've taken care of everything. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? So it's an active faith. And it's interesting because we need a shield against the fiery darts of the devil. You can imagine, how many of you like those brave hearts, some of those old war movies, right? When they light up, or, or the Lord of the Rings, those movies, you know, they light up the arrows, and that's freaky. That would be terrifying. Fiery arrows coming at you. That's one of the ways that Satan tries to get at you. But if you have a shield, 
The arrows can't get at you. They can't get at you. It reminds us of 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, which says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The adversary goes about like a roaring lion, seeking to freak us out with darts. So you have the shield of faith, and then, of course, you have the helmet of salvation. The salvation covers your mind, the fact that you are saved, that you've been delivered, not only from your sins, but from what's ever in front of you right now. Do you let that guard your mind? You filter every thought through, what does it mean that I'm saved, that I'm born again, that God's forgiven me? Taking those thoughts captive, that are aberrant, that tell you something else. So you have the helmet of salvation. And then, of course, verse 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. People make the point that the sword is the only offensive weapon you have. You can use a shield as an offensive weapon, can't you? If you ever watch all those fight movies, they always do. It's totally cool, right? They hit each other. It's cool. But the idea is that God's Word fights against, fights against the spiritual battle. Jesus used it. Remember when the devil was tempting him? Every time the devil came, he gave him a scripture. Satan got smart. He started giving Jesus his own scriptures. But the word of God helps us to fight against the spiritual battle, the things that the Lord has spoken. So all this armor, and then, of course, we need to stand as prayerful and armored warriors. Because look at what it says, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, this is important because it's a spiritual battle and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. We need to be people of prayer. And notice this, it's prayer in all things with supplication in the spirit, directed by the spirit. Man, we need to be people of prayer. Prayer is the word we use for the dialogue that we get to have with God, not the monologue. As I like to say, if there's going to be a monologue in prayer, let it be God speaking to us. But everything else needs to be a dialogue. We say, Lord, I want you to do this, this, and this. Lord, will you do this? Holy Spirit, will you lead me to understand how to properly pray for people? But we need to be prayerful because it's a spiritual battle. And a lot of those battles are won on our knees of our heart. It makes me think of the prophet Daniel. He was fasting and praying. And then the angel showed up after 20-something days. He's like, yeah, I was, I was detained fighting against the prince of Persia. What? You read that, you're like, wow. So an angel showed up and said, look, it took me 21 days to get you because I was busy fighting against the demon. We need to persevere in prayer. Be people of prayer. Now, as you move to verse 19, I have three last points. I'm going to take them all in like a minute each. Because they're simple action points for you and I. Simple action points. Look at what happens. Verses 19 and 20. As for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought. So first action step. Pray for boldness and revelation. Pray for boldness and revelation. As the Apostle Paul is talking about prayer, he's saying, hey, don't forget to pray for me. 
I like the Apostle Paul. He's humble enough to ask for prayer. The prayer is for two things, for boldness, that he would speak fearlessly what he ought, and revelation, that I may make known the mysteries of the gospel. And I'm here to tell you for myself, for the pastors and leaders on staff here, will you pray for us for boldness and revelation? Will you pray that God would reveal himself to us and in us and that we would never be afraid to speak boldly and fearlessly? We need your prayers. We covet them. See, the reason we need your prayers is because the pastors and leaders on our staff are just like you all. We struggle sometimes. We worry sometimes. What if I don't have the right thing to say? I'm here to tell you, I I love what I get to do, but it's not easy to get up here and invite people to come to Christ. There's a battle that goes on in my heart. Who do you think you are? You can't do that. And then I go to do the altar call and people start leaving. And I realize that people are trying to get out before the thing. You got to use the restroom, whatever it is. But you don't think Satan's like, yeah, see, these people don't even care. I'm going to get saved. But those people, they love the Lord. They're leaving. They're too busy. They got to go. What are you doing? That's the way it plays in my heart. Now, I'm still going to do it by the grace of God, but it's hard. That's hard. And your leaders need your prayers. Do you realize in a church's size, there's literally 5,000 opinions about everything? <laughs> literally. Like whatever your opinion is about whatever, there's another person who has the exact opposite opinion. And every variation in between, you think that's easy for pastors who just want people to love them? Just want to be another brother, sister? And every time you do something, everyone's got an opinion. And I'm amazed Pastor Bill made it 38 years as the lead pastor. <laughs> like, I'm just like, man, that dude's like he-man in the spirit. <laughs> and so you got to pray for boldness and revelation for, for your pastors. And we need it. Paul asked for it. I'm like, yes, Paul. I'm asking for it too. Pray for boldness and revelation that we would be on what God is doing. We'd be unashamed to try things and, and get out on the edge with the Lord. Because if not, it's real easy to play it safe in the ministry. Just never say anything nobody's going to dislike. Never do anything that's going to ruffle any feathers. And listen, there's a lot of churches in America that have taken that route, haven't they? So you want us as your leaders to be on the edge. And we can't be out there unless you guys are holding the rope in prayer for us. And we do it together. We need it. Pray for boldness and revelation for your leaders. Then... Verses 21 and following. I got two quick points. I'm going to invite the worship team to come out as we close it out. Check this out. Verse 21. But that you may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother, or Tychicus, if you like to slabify it that way, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that you may comfort, that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Jesus is As we heard in today's message, we should be ready to share the gospel at all times. And Paul's words to us in Ephesians 6 are meant to help us arm ourselves with the armor of the truth. When the battle rages, we have to trust that God will protect us. Pastor Daniel exhorted us to pray for boldness and revelation. 
so that we can speak fearlessly to others about what we believe and who God is. Pastor Daniel covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review? You can listen to today's message again by logging on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at JesusIsRealRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Jesus Is Real Radio is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Daniel begins a new study as we continue to seek God through His Word. We hope you've been blessed by this study in Ephesians about the messiness of life and how Jesus is the answer to clean it up. The Apostle Paul was motivated by the world's need for a Savior and so should we be for ourselves and others. Be encouraged to know that God will carry you through the mess. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Jesus Is Real Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in. Until next time, may the Lord bless.